Today is Thursday, May 18th, 2017. I'm Detective David Stein of the Dyer, Indiana Police Department, and this is Episode 2 of Region Law, Black Sand Pearl. Welcome back. It's been 18 days since the first episode aired. In those 18 days, myself and my partner at the Dyer Police Department, Detective Kyle Kazubel, have learned so much more about the Black Scion TC that struck and killed Daniel Shively on June 3, 2012. One of the biggest developments in this almost five-year investigation is that we now know the exact color of the suspect vehicle. Since the date of the accident, The color of this vehicle has always been up for debate. Is it gray? Is it dark gray? Is it black? Is it black metallic? Is there a blue sheen? What color is it when the sun hits it? And so on and so on. My partner and I decided to get a definitive answer on this. We decided to visit a region staple, Van Sennis Auto Parts in Highland, Indiana. On Friday, May 5th, we showed up at Vincennes with a bumper from the suspect vehicle. I'm willing to bet that it took the technician at Vincennes less than 10 minutes to match the color of the paint on the bumper to a stock Toyota color. But it felt like hours. While the paint color was being determined, both myself and Detective Kazubel paced up and down the aisles in complete silence. We were confident before we left Vincennes we would know the exact color of the offending vehicle. And we were right. From this point forward, we no longer have to describe the Scion as black or dark gray. Instead, we'll identify it by its true color, black sand pearl, Toyota color 209. This is a very important detail to us as investigators. It narrows the list of possible vehicles exponentially. In the first episode of this podcast, I told you that investigators were confident that the suspect vehicle was a 2005 to 2009 black or dark gray Scion TC. Things have changed. Prior to getting the color match completed, we took all the parts left by the Scion at the crash scene to Team Toyota in Cherville, and they rolled out the red carpet for us. Over the past several weeks, I had gone back and re-interviewed witnesses, friends, and family members to get a better idea of what happened that night. In the same vein, I wanted somebody to take a fresh look at the pieces we had of the suspect vehicle to help us determine what that vehicle might have been. It turns out that this was a great decision, because in the first podcast, I told you guys we were looking for an 05 to 2009 Scion TC. Now, we learned that the bumper didn't change until 2011, which means we should be looking for an 05 to 2010 Scion TC. 
This made the suspect pool a heck of a lot larger, but it doesn't matter. It's still accurate information. So with the help of Team Toyota, we were able to take the pieces we did have of the suspect vehicle and match them up to the bumper of an 05-10 Scion TC perfectly. There's a picture of the bumper that Team Toyota provided us with pieces of the suspect vehicle inside of them on our Facebook page. So now let's talk about this bumper. In the first episode of the podcast, I told you we had reason to believe that the bumper attached to the suspect vehicle was a specialty bumper. It's not. We have no reason to believe there were ground effects on the suspect vehicle, and now we're sure that there was not a specialty bumper on this vehicle. The vehicle we're looking for is a 2005 to 2010 Black Sand Pearl Scion TC stock. I'm sure you want to know why we're so confident in our new description. But one of the main reasons why, above and beyond all the information we got from Team Toyota, he recently identified something that was left at the scene as a piece of evidence. A small, dark, round piece of plastic. This piece helped us confirm our suspicions. The round piece of plastic was a fog lamp cover. The stock 2005 to 2010 Scion TC did not come standard with fog lights. You could buy a Scion TC in 2005 to 2010 with a fog lamp option, but the base model didn't come with a fog lamp. So learning that the fog lamp cover was at the scene was very important to us. In addition to our efforts to identify the exact color of the vehicle and make and model of the vehicle, we also conferred with several independent crash scene investigators people who were not involved in the initial investigation of this case. Again, fresh eyes. We went over accident reports, reconstruction reports, the initial officer's reports, and all of the pictures that were taken at the scene. Taking all that into consideration, we're confident that the suspect vehicle was badly damaged. The drivetrain, the front bumper, the hood, the roof, and the windshield We know by the fluid trail left by the suspect vehicle that a few hundred feet after the crash, the suspect vehicle stopped in the curb lane of southbound Calumet Avenue in the 1200 block. In the next couple seconds, the driver decided to leave the scene. They continued south on Calumet Avenue and made a right-hand westbound turn onto 213th Street. Although the windshield was most likely broken, the airbags did not deploy on this vehicle. The reason we know this is there was no glass left at the scene from the headlamps. And in the 2005 to 2010 Scion TCs, the airbag sensors are located behind the headlights. The initial point of impact for the Scion was dead center. This would not have affected the airbag sensors which in turn could mean that the driver was also injured as a result of the crash. So now we're left with the question, where did this vehicle go after it turned right onto 213th Street? Myself, Detective Kazubel, accident investigators, and the good people at Toyota do not believe that this vehicle could have gotten very far due to the extensive damage done to the drivetrain during the collision. This means that somebody knows something. This vehicle was hidden, or is still hidden, In the hours, days, and weeks after this accident, 
dire officers tirelessly looked for the suspect vehicle. Unfortunately, it was never located. Myself and Detective Kazuo believe there's a high probability this vehicle was immediately hidden from law enforcement. We also believe that it's highly unlikely that the driver and driver alone is the only person tied to this crime. We're confident that someone or multiple people aided the driver in hiding the vehicle and assisted them in covering up their involvement in this tragic accident. Personally, I don't believe that someone could have a car one day and then not have one the next and no one notices. It's completely illogical. Before I recorded the first episode of the podcast, I wasn't sure if the $10,000 reward still stood. But after I released the podcast, I spoke to family members and I learned that there is still a $10,000 cash reward for anyone who provides information that leads to the arrest and conviction of the person responsible for killing Daniel Shively. I've posted information in regards to the cash reward on the Region Law Facebook page. If you have information about this accident, you can contact myself or Detective Kazubel at the Dyer Police Department at 219-865-1163, and my extension is 1835. Detective Kazubel's extension is 1845. If you don't want to speak to us in person and you just want to leave a message, that's fine. I want to stress that you can remain anonymous if you so choose. Right now, I'd like to take a couple of moments to address some of the questions that came in via the Facebook, email, and through voicemail. One question that continues to pop up is, is this vehicle, the suspect vehicle, from Illinois? The reason people are asking is because the state of Illinois requires both a front and rear license plate on any vehicle registered in their state. It's a great question. There was no registration plate found at the scene, but that doesn't mean that the vehicle was registered in Indiana and not Illinois. And here's why. The vehicle could have had a temporary tag and not gotten its front plate yet, still being from Illinois. Also, the person could be from Illinois and not be in compliance with the state law. To rule a person from Illinois out completely would be a huge mistake, but we do believe that the suspect vehicle was registered in Indiana. Another person asked, have you guys spoken to any body shops and asked if anyone remembers painting a red bumper, dark gray, or black? Well, as you know now, the suspect vehicle didn't have the specialty bumper that was only available in absolute red. It would have just been the stock bumper that came on the Black Sand Pearl 2005-2010 to Scion TC. With that being said, in 2012, both the Lake County Sheriff's Department and investigators at Dyer Police Department did speak with body shops in the area. But of course, it was to no avail. In my personal opinion, with the value of that vehicle and the amount of damage that was sustained as a result of the accident, it wouldn't have been cost-effective to have it professionally fixed anyway. An insurance claim would have had to been made, and it would have put the suspect at a substantial risk of being discovered. There was another question in regards to VIN numbers being stamped on car parts, and unfortunately, in this case, there wasn't any. I can't speak to what happens now, but I know for a fact that from 05 to 10, Cyan did not stamp the VIN number on the front bumper of their vehicles. 
Just to be clear, the reason we know this is an 05 to a 2010 Scion TC is because between 05 and 10, the Scion had a one-piece bumper. It wasn't until 2011 that they changed to a two-piece bumper. We definitely encourage you guys to go to the Facebook page and throw out theories, ask questions. We're looking into anything and everything. The only way this podcast can help solve this case is by putting it in people's ears. Going to the Facebook page, sharing the page, sharing the episodes, and letting as many people know how important it is for them to listen and pay attention. Somebody has information that they think is not important, and it actually is. We're confident that someone is going to come forward in this case. The only way to make sure that happens is to keep podcasting about it, keep talking about it, keep sharing the Facebook post, and continuing to get the information out there. Most importantly, we let the suspect and anyone else involved in covering up this incident know that we're never giving up. Moving forward from here, you can find the podcast in a ton of different places. If you have an iPhone, you can find it on iTunes in the store. Or if you use the podcast application on your iPhone, you could subscribe to it right from there. If you have an Android phone, the easiest thing to do is download Stitcher Smart Radio, the application, and then find our podcast, Region Law, a podcast, and subscribe to it right from there. No doubt the simplest way to find the podcast is to go to the Region Law, a podcast Facebook page and listen to it right from there. That way, if you want to leave a comment or ask a question, you're already on the page. Again, I can be reached at the Dyer Police Department at 219-865-1163, extension 1835, or via email at dstein at All the contact information I provided for myself and the contact information I provided for Detective Kazubel will be in the podcast notes section under this episode. I also want to take a second to recognize the amount of help that we got from the guys at Van Sennis and the guys in the parts department at the Team Toyota in Cherville. Without the help of all these guys, we wouldn't be as close as we are right now. So thank you. Finally, on Saturday, May 20th, 2017, Center for Visual and Performing Arts, located at 1040 Ridge Road in Munster, will be hosting We Run With Joe. Tickets for this event are $35 in advance or $40 at the door. The night will consist of a buffet dinner, a cash bar, music, entertainment, multiple raffles including a gun raffle, silent auction items, and a 50-50 drawing. All proceeds will benefit Munster Police Officer Joe Pacheco's Cancer Fund. Joe is a veteran officer and served as a school resource officer at Munster High School prior to his diagnosis. Donations can also be made at any People's Bank location or on Joe's GoFundMe page. The web address to Joe's GoFundMe page will be listed on our Facebook and in our show notes. This was Episode 2 of Region Law Podcast. Thanks again for listening.